Contract, a Commander podcast. I'm Mike Almond, and joining me is my co-host Alex Lap. Alex, what's up, man? Not too much, Mike. Today we're talking about snakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. them, them fang boys, rattlesnakes in yeah. specific. Yeah, reptiles are cool, right? Like, I mean, I mean, not the real kind of rattlesnake. Oh, we know what those are. I think I need I need to prepare completely different notes. I'm sorry, Alex. Tell oh me what gosh. a rattlesnake is while I adjust. well, I'll tell you what it isn't. It's not the kind of snake that. You stand on the ground in the woods, and then it rattles at you and you run away. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. At least not literally. Metaphorically, that is exactly what it is. So here's what I came up with. I worked through some some various ideas for how I wanted to define it. A rattlesnake is something I can choose to do or something that will inevitably happen to affect the state of the game if one of my opponents does something I don't want them to do and that one or more opponents believe or know will happen and don't want it to happen. Okay. So it's kind of like a threat that I have control of. And I can basically make demands with it. Sure. If so I choose it, to. It, it, it's one of those, like, this isn't a threat. This is a promise. Kind of, it's, a, it's kind a, of a promise. Offense. Yeah. So I, I, I get what you're saying. So it's something like uh, either a card on the table. That people can see and encourages players to stay away from you or uh, kind of, you know, let you be. Otherwise, they're going to get bit or lose something in the process. Or just you actually using the power of your own words, making a proclamation that like, hey, if you do this or if you interact with me that way, I, I can just let you know it's not going to go well for you. Right. I think that's uh, that's probably the most interesting definition. Let's Let's hear what yours was and then let's talk about... This more uh, abstract idea of a rattlesnake that might not be any specific card we can look up on the sure. player. So that that actually kind of goes in like the way that I defined it is is kind of it's it's kind of like a, what I just said. Like I, there's no specific. It's one of those things that you know it when you see it. You know what I mean? Like again, mm-hmm. it's it is a threat. Now whether it's a threat on a card or whether it's a you know just it, it can be a threat. It can be a warning. It can be a, like, cautionary advice. Like, hey, I wouldn't do that, you know? Because it doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily have to be your rattlesnake. You just have to recognize it and say, we need to stay away. And if anything that you see on the table or the way that somebody's acting, well, that's that's a rattlesnake. That's a, hey, stay away or make sure that you're aware of your environment at the table before you proceed with whatever you're planning on doing. Right, and there are a lot of interesting ways that you can do that. Yeah. Um, we talked about some of them off mic. Uh, some of the ones that we came up with were uh, revealing a card from mm-hmm. a hidden zone from your hand. Yep. Or if you tutor a card and then reveal it and then put it either into your hand or on the top of your library mm-hmm. or even into your graveyard, you're independently confirming beyond doubt that you 100% do have this card and then the next logical leap is, and you intend to use it. Right. The The reference that we've made abundantly clear is the most powerful counterspell is the one that everybody knows about. 
because it counters more spells than the one time that you actually use it. That's exactly what we're talking about today. It's not just the counter spell. It's all rattlesnakes act this way, at least the ones that I care about. And speaking of counter spells, that is a perfect example of a rattlesnake. (laughs) What is a more iconic situation than you leaving two mana two open mana mana, uh and implying or saying that you have a counter spell and i'll tell you right now mike when i'm doing that when i'm bluffing or telling people it doesn't really matter which that i'm have a counter spell available and i intend to use it i'm not going to go get like my tap lands or my duels that just have the tiny little mana symbols no i'm going to go get the unset full art just solid blue islands and just (laughs) put them right there at the front of my mana base and just sit there there's no way that anyone is not going to realize that i have exactly two blue mana up i mean you really gotta you gotta spell it out for people sometimes right you can't be too subtle right and here's the thing like i i usually when i'm playing the game unless it's like a game i really want to win if I'm playing a game and I'm just kind of sitting there having a good time and stuff like that, I'm totally oblivious to that to that fact sometimes that somebody has two open blue mana. But you know what's awesome? Mm-hmm. When that same person or when somebody else either... When somebody else tells me, hey, watch out, they've got that two blue mana, or when you, as a player who has two blue mana and want to let them know, use, like I said before, the power of words. You're letting them know, hey, I'm going to leave this untapped... Mm-hmm. And I'll pass my turn. There are there are no there are very few statements that are scarier than I'll leave this untapped and right. pass. And it, it doesn't have to be two blue mana. It can be no. it can be six and a blue for the psychrift. Right. It can be uh, a single white for the swords or uh, or other one mana removal spell. Mm-hmm. And as long as it's a combination of mana that people readily recognize as having access to a control and removal spell, or just leaving a ton of mana untapped. If you leave almost all or all of your mana untapped, people are going to look at you during everyone else's turn. Right. Because you they can do They want to see how anything. you react. Yeah, exactly. A rattlesnake is not just the, the fact that the card is on the table, which means you have to be ready for that card. It's the player doing things or leaving open mana or telling you what they could do or even that they could do something that makes it to where you are constantly looking around for, okay, where does this snake come from and how does it get me? And that's why it's it's counterspelling something that is a big sweeping play. Me not being a stacks player, I still recognize how fun that can be where it's like, whoa, this player mm-hmm. was going to win the game, but we stopped him. Yeah. But, but getting the rattlesnake, the rattlesnake is the perfect solution sometimes. Mm-hmm. And and it's just more fun for me. Yeah, I mean, you, it's very difficult to defeat a rattlesnake, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. the only way that you can defeat one is by baiting it. Right. right? Forcing. Getting it to bite hand, something that right? you by don't it want to it to bite. Exactly. Yeah. And the problem is that you never know just how juicy you're going to have to make that bait before it bites (laughs) and that just goes into a whole rabbit's hole of mind games and gabbits and we'll be here all day just think about some of that stuff while we talk about all of of these cards cards. yeah yeah so let's start off with with a broader category and 
we, we mentioned the power of words or wheelings and dealings or the silver tongue, however you want to call it. This is uh, selectively revealing information or using your uh, political voice to say, oh, maybe you shouldn't do that because look at that. They've got that right there. Or mm -hmm. if you do that to me, I'm going to do this to you. That's right. You can combine that with any card or without any cards, just the mm -hmm. implication of a card um, or a general threat. But we also have some other general categories like foretell cards. Mm -hmm. uh, the other episode during our Kaldheim set review, we picked out um, a specific foretell card called Doomscar. Yep. Which is a sorcery for three double white, destroy all creatures, and foretell for one double white. And as a quick reminder, Fortell says that during your turn, you may pay two and exile this card from your hand face down, cast it on a later turn for its Fortell cost. So because that's a sorcery, you can only uh, cast it from exile on your turn whenever you could cast a sorcery. Mm. However, you don't have to keep that spell hidden. Right. As long as you have access to a hidden zone, like your hand or cards face down in a zone like exile or the battlefield, but not your library because you don't have access to the information in your library. Right. Um, you can reveal that information. And one example is that you could basically reveal Doomscar from your hand, reveal that you're foretelling it and just leave it there. Yep. And now the entire table has a game to play. And that game is, how much am I willing to commit to the board <laughs> while that board wipe is still available? While it's and hanging out. This is not the only card that does that. But Mike, how do you feel about this kind of thing? So, I I mean, that's part of why I love this. I love the call time set. I love mm -hmm. Fortell as a mechanic because Absolutely. the I think the best trap is the one that people trip when they knew about it. Like, <laughs> oh. It was still here and you still did it. So there we are. I don't yeah. want to I don't want a feels bad situation. And I think Fortell is really really nice at kind of splitting the gap on that because hey, this is here. And if you're putting it down and you're using it the way that it's it's specified to be played, if you're just hiding information but it's there, well, okay. That I mean they kind of walked into a trap and they should have known. Or you can do it the way that I'm choosing to do it. And it's like, "All right, cool. I'm going to go Fortell this." By the way, this is what it is. <laughs> I'm foretelling this prophecy yeah. that all of your stuff is going to get blown up. Yeah. Now, or, I don't know when this prophecy is going to be fulfilled, but trust yeah. me, it'll happen. Well, and, and that's where it's it, where you get into the really scary things where it's like, yeah, a board wipe that you could foretell, scary. Mm -hmm. The mystic reflection card where mm -hmm. choose target non-legendary creature the next time one or more creatures or planeswalkers enter the battlefield this turn they enter co as copies of this chosen creature you're basically telling people hey i hope you really don't want to play the things that you're trying to play or i really hope that you got a really good follow-up for whatever i'm going to turn into a, a zero one plant there's an idea in i guess you would call it politics or uh, sociology, behavioral science, whatever it is, uh, called chilling effects. And you may have heard of it. Mm -hmm. Chilling effects is when the knowledge that something will be punished or will be persecuted is so 
well-known and so great, so significant that it reduces the instances of it happening without right. it's, it's almost like a, uh, it's like how some people argue for the death penalty, not me personally, but some people say the death penalty is so bad that it convinces criminals not to commit crimes because they might get the death penalty. Okay. This is like that, but a little lighter. <laughs> sure. No, this is this is uh, kids trying to go into the refrigerator to get a snack, uh-huh. but remembering that mom said that they were going to be really upset and they were going to be in trouble if they ate anything before dinner. Right. It's It's the deterrent because of the potential consequence. Right. It's an even stronger effect than saying that the uh, the rattlesnake is, is going to counter every spell that isn't played because it's not just every spell that isn't played. It's that people's plans will change around the fact that okay. you can disrupt other kinds of plans. For example, if you have Doomscar or any of these other uh, cards that we're about to talk about, in this uh, board wipe on the board effect. And, and we do have a few else to, to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just that they'll be reticent to commit to the board and nobody will really want to do anything. That That is an option. People will freeze out. But there is the other thing that can happen, chilling effects, which is that people's strategy changes. And that can right. be for the better or for the worse. It's for the better if they have to change to a non-optimal strategy for their deck. Um, or just kind of journal out. But the other thing could happen too, where if you're not controlling the narrative of the table and doing your politics correctly, uh, the entire rest of the pod can say, hey, there's like three of us and only one of them. We can force them to blow it up by right. hurting them. And this is the thing you don't want to happen. Like, has that ever happened to you during a rattlesnake? Uh, I mean, here's the thing. I'm sure it has. Mm-hmm. But more times than not, whenever that does happen to me, and I am, I'm, the the thing I like most about rattlesnakes is if I get bit by a rattlesnake, I don't blame the other player. Like, I walked into that rattlesnake's den. Mm-hmm. You, you know? knew it was going to happen. The inevitability right. almost pushes away the responsibility because it was going to happen already. The bad news was when they told you it would happen, not when it actually happened. Right. Yeah. Uh, danger. Do not cross. Well, I crossed. Well, now you're getting hit by a snake shaped car anyway (laughs) doomscar is the newest of these to my knowledge but we do have some real classics here that Mm -hmm. you may recognize like navinural's disc or larry disc, which is a four mana artifact that says navinural's disc enters the battlefield tapped and then it has the activated ability one tap destroy all artifacts creatures and enchantments this Mm -hmm. is the classic when you think of rattlesnake when i think of rattlesnake i think Nets disc. Yep. Because, yes, the first turn you put it out, you can't use it. You might be able to if you can untap it. For, for, for the most part, you'll leave it on the field. And that entire time, if nobody can remove it, and that's very possible, it is an artifact, sure. then the result when it's untapped is that as long as you have one mana available, you are always always threatening to wipe the board and it's really obvious Mm -hmm. so you get all of those effects you get people don't want to mess with you you get people don't want to commit artifacts creatures and enchantments to the board you get people don't play their deck optimally because they can't do their main strategy this (laughs) is just it's brutal and this is really the epitome of a rattlesnake card mike 
Oh, for sure. Uh, yeah, and you know what? If you uh, if you love yourself some Nev's disc, but man, it's just waiting that turn for it to be able to turn online. Doesn't quite have that bite. Yeah, you know what? Be if you got the mana for it. How about a Perilous Vault? Yes, uh, mana artifact. Yes, that uh, comes into play. Doesn't come into play tapped. More importantly, but it does have a higher activation cost for five generic and tap it. Exile Perilous Vault, exile all non-land permanents. So oh, hey, yeah, you got those indestructible gods that are being a problem. No longer. Let's get rid of everything. Like this card lands. is Ooh. genuinely just terrifying. It's everything it's that Ned's disc is. People are like, oh my god, I'm gonna lose all my artifacts, creatures, and enchantments. Mm-hmm. But you know that there are certain decks that will just run that. Like yeah. for example. Super Friends decks will just run that because yeah. it doesn't destroy Planeswalkers. Right. Perilous Vault is completely different. P- Perilous Vault says this game, except for lands, is starting over from the beginning. If you do anything I don't like, mm-hmm. if you do that thing, if you mess with my board, this is the ultimate crackdown. Exile all non-land permanents. Now, you have to hold five mana up, so this is much more difficult. But if you're in a yeah. deck that can readily produce mana at instant speed, for example, if you have an Ashnod's Altar, if you Crack Plan Ironworks, if you have some mana dorks, things that can generate mana that you don't necessarily uh, use every single turn, but you can get them in a pinch. True. This effect is so, so chilling. Nobody wants you to do this. Like, people think, oh, I can recover from... Creatures going to my graveyard. I can reanimate some of my creatures. I can get some of my artifacts back. None of it. Nope. Just, just <laughs> nasty. You, you better have a Kai out and hope that you're playing stuff from Exile at the best, because <laughs> otherwise, there's not a whole lot of ways to, uh, to get around this thing when it activates. And man, that's that's a really good way to reset a game for the most part and make a whole lot of people very unhappy, or at the very <laughs> least. At the very least, one person extremely unhappy, and everybody else content right. with what's been done. Um, now, there's another kind of card in this set, which is, um, I guess you would say, you call it a Passover card, mm-hmm. because this kind of effect does sit on board and does threaten a board wipe, but certain permanents can be anointed and protected from the board wipe. Sure. These tend to be weaker. Uh, simply because they take longer to set up. Mm-hmm. But they used to be more popular. How about Oblivion Stone for three? It's an artifact. Yep. Two activated abilities. The first one, pay four and tap. Put a fate counter on target permanence. And then five and tap. Sack Oblivion Stone. Destroy each non-land permanent without a fate counter on it. Then remove all fate counters from all permanents. Now, yeah, that's really, really slow. And difficult to see use for. But this represents an entire class of cards. There are several cards like this. I don't have them all here. But this kind of thing where if you are in a meta that just doesn't have very much spot removal, which totally common, you can use an effect like Oblivion Stone to just dominate the board, to constrict everybody. You are the arbiter of what lives and what dies. If people allow this to stay on the board, as costly as it is, this is very punishing, Mike. My favorite thing to do with this card is play it on a turn where I have eight mana, play it, pass. <laughs> and then wait for it to get back to my turn. 
because people are scared about me blowing up the stone. And you know what? If people are scared about me blowing up the stone, that means that they are not going to put out all the stuff that they were exactly. thinking about. That's or at least it's a conversation. You, you don't have to protect anything. You can just no. blow it up. Yeah. And yeah. when it comes to my turn, if there's no reason for me to blow up the board yet, or if it's got enough of a lock on what's going on, okay, great. I'm going to put a fake counter on my commander real quick. Okay, now I'll untap. And just have that mana up. Yeah, it means that you're not doing as much stuff. But like you said, if you're planning for something and your plan is basically throwing a wrench in everybody else's plans, well, Mm -hmm. that means that you're playing at the same pace. They have to stop. They have to think. They have to do all of these different considerations that they weren't going to do before. Let's talk about one last board wipe on the board. And this one is quite the reputation, Mike. And that's World Slayer. Yay! We did Five an equipment! Artifact equipment. Whenever equipped creature deals combat damage to a player, destroy all permanents other than World Slayer. And Not non-land. Yeah, so all the lands, <laughs> all the non-land permanents, everything except World Slayer is in the graveyard for 10 mana. Yeah, there is that. I this mean, is and of course... really mean. <laughs> it's re- oh no it's, it's terrible. so mean no this is terrible like I, again I, I i did my triumphant arms in the air hooray equipment we're talking about it um at the same time this is a card that you play because you are also playing like i'm gonna make my lands indestructible or here's here's my sure, sure. everything's fine kind of stuff this is like oh you want to you want to mess with me yeah. Oh, I don't know, dude. This sword is kind of dangerous. I wouldn't do that. Right. And again, you know, unless you've got some, unless you've got the reduction or a uh, cigar to aid or something along those lines where it's mm-hmm. coming in equipping, this this is going to take a bit. But, if you're in an equipment deck, this is just great. But if you're in an equipment deck, yeah. holy cow! Uh, I'd like to make all of my permanents indestructible and uh, attack. So. Bye. That's a great category, and, and there's many more that we haven't mentioned. We're not trying to mention them all. Sure. But uh, let's move on to our second category, and that's a category of cards, Mike, that we don't really see very much in our format, really only the best of the best. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we may need to have a longer discussion, probably not this episode, but in a later episode about why fogs do not really see play in EDH, despite the fact that the Command Zone data collection... Uh, set revealed that roughly 50% of all games end in combat damage. Yeah, which um, is which is alarming. Yeah. It, it's there's like I I sit here and I try and talk about well, you know, combat's a fun way to win, I guess, but I like doing all these other things. And then I examined all of my decks and I went, "Oh, most of these win by swinging out somehow." Mhm. Like even, It's an you easy know, way to win. Right. It's it's and at the same time, it's also so fun to just, I want to put all of the things on the table. You know, I, it, so it seems weird that with as many games ending with combat, and it might be a little bit higher, a little bit lower in your meta, but combat is still a factor more times than not, even if it's not ending the game. It's still progressing the game. The idea Absolutely. that fogs aren't as prevalent is kind of weird, right? Well, that's the thing. It's because there are many classes of card in Commander that, don't see a lot of play, but some of those cards have such fantastic value that they do still see play, even though the category of cards doesn't. Like Man, that sounds like a teaser. Maze of If. Hey, there it Maze is. Maze of If is a land with no mana abilities, but it has tap, untapped target attacking creature, prevents all combat damage that would be dealt to 
and dealt by that creature this turn. Mm-hmm. Mike, I can't even tell you how true that adage is that the Mazavith on the board that's untapped will turn away far more than one creature per turn because why wouldn't it? Why would you bother attacking when you know that I'm going to turn your creature back so you don't attack me? And then the next player, same situation. Oh, attack it's, me. It's still untapped. But it's, even, but it's even better than that because if you have a Mazavith out, that all of what you said is absolutely true. Mm-hmm. But the best thing is when somebody has their big stompy Xenagos deck and they see that you have a maze of it and they're like, well, okay. Hey, Mike, is it okay for me to attack this person? <laughs> You're like, yeah, go for it. And then the next person, hey, Mike, is it okay for me to attack this person? Absolutely. All right, well, I'm going to attack you and make you use that maze of it. Are you sure? Could go bad. Okay. <laughs> it's like I I love Maze Vith. It's it's a I, yes, it's a land. Counted as a spell when you're constructing your deck. Exactly. But, it's oh my fun. gosh, it's so fun. What a great this is in so many of my decks. I am in love with Maze of Vith. It is so effective. And you wouldn't think things that affect one creature in Commander tend to be viewed as a little bit less valuable than things that affect mm-hmm. multiple targets or the entire board, like a board wipe. But sure. in many ways, this is as good as a normal fog, if not better, because number one, it's repeatable. Repeatable, And number yes. two, it's on the board. We've had rats on the board, and we've had fogs on the board. But have we had frogs on the board? <laughs> yeah, we're talking about my good, good spiny boy. <laughs> That's, uh, uh, yeah, go for Spore it. frog. Yeah. One green. Creature frog. It's a one, one. Okay. But you can sacrifice Warfrog, prevent all combat damage that would be dealt this turn. Oh, yeah. Uh, every every Marin player, every Golgari recursion mm-hmm. deck, every every one of those is drooling at the mention of the Sporefrog. First of all, he looks adorable, even oh, though yeah. he's like literally like made of plague. Very, very fungi. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I it's another one of those things where, okay, cool, I have this on board, so it's... It's almost like when you know you have to take down somebody's shields before you can actually hit them. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, well, is this going to be enough for him to do it? Is this going to be enough for him to do it? That's is the this thing. Gonna be an- it's perfect. We we, uh, we talked about that with the uh, the Fortel stuff, and it's, it's just so interesting, this gambit that comes into play immediately. As soon as you have access to instant speed rattlesnake effects... Mm-hmm. Everyone else who knows about it, which is everyone, because you're making your plans well-known and very clear, everyone at the table is now playing your game. You have warped the entire meta of this game around your Rattlesnake. That's what a good Rattlesnake does. Am I going to commit enough to the board to get them to wipe? Do I even want to do that? What should I commit? Should I put out my second best thing to try to bait that counterspell out or that spore frog out? Should I swing with this much to try to bait the fog out? It's, they can't see into your head. They don't know what you're thinking. And so their decision making, the quality of their decisions becomes worse. Or at the very least, the amount of time and energy that they have to spend on it. Yeah. Decision paralysis. Yeah. It's, uh, It's quite devious, really. What else do we have in this in this category of fogs? Uh, we got our we got our boy Angus. Angus, I love this boy. This is one expensive boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Holy moly. Uh, yeah. Angus McKenzie. 
He has an old now. text box. Let's pull up his new text box. Please do. <laughs> I'm looking out. I, I'm, I, I don't have bad vision, but I, I've got it like on full enhance, and I'm still having yeah, some trouble like, here. Uh, what does that guy say? Is it <laughs> what? Anytime uh, that gonna... the tap symbol is actually just a like italicized a capital T. Love yeah. it. Yeah. They changed that because, uh, you know, tap does not start with a T in every language. Oh, hey, and, that makes you know, sense. Magic is in many languages. So, Angus McKenzie is a legendary creature, human cleric for green, white, blue. It's a 2 2 with an activated ability, pay green, white, blue, tap, prevent all combat damage that would be dealt this turn. Activate this ability only before the combat damage step. Uh, That's interesting that they have that quality. It's on the reserve list, it's $270. Um, this is a really cool commander. Pillow Fort decks love this guy. For he sure. is so expensive. Anyway, yeah. so you have a repeatable three mana fog effect in the command zone. And this card was printed in 1995. I'm, <laughs> 94, 1994. Oh yeah, I was going to say, oh wow. Oh, boy. This is a genuinely interesting commander. I wish that they reprint it but they won't because it's on the reserve list because it's on the reserve list curse you list um Um, i think this is one of uh one of richard garfield's uh, D group characters you know they have many many of their D characters came into the the legend set like gabriel angel fire just the very weird sounding names these are all from their D campaigns sure that well that's actually pretty cool i didn't know that that's that's pretty neat. Oh, so man, talk to me I about hope, I, I hope I get a big enough D and D campaign someday to where I can make magic cards out. Make of it. a card game out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I, no, I, no, no. Watsy, don't don't come for me. I, I like I I don't want to make a competitive game. I I want to I want to synergize with you. Let's be friends. Um, speaking of let's be friends, you know who probably gets along with Angus McKenzie? Who? If High Arcanist also uh slightly you know. Love eh. it. Uh, he he's he's I don't know if he's in the same level of uh. Of D and D name, but High Arcanist, is at, and that's some D and D stuff. Now this man. this is the Ith from Maze of Ith. This is his maze. Yep. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so here's here's the problem with Ith High Arcanist. Let's yeah. read about it. He's uh, he's five white blue for a three five legendary creature human wizard. That's pretty expensive. He's got vigilance and he has uh, the same ability that Maze of Ith has: tap, untap target attacking creature, prevents all combat damage that would be dealt to and dealt by that creature this turn. And then he has suspend four for white and blue. So you might be thinking, oh, that's awesome. I can suspend him for two mana from the command zone. No, you can't. No, you cannot. No, you can't. Suspend only works from your hand. I am so sorry. This is why nobody plays if and why you've never seen him get played. The more you know. If if you could get it from the command zone, I'd I'd probably play him sometime. (laughs) We have this uh, little bit less well-known fog um but a little bit more resourceful this is prob spires of order uh, basically a completely unplayed utility land uh, tap add colorless to your meta pool uh, it also has four white blue tap so six mana on the ability seven mana equivalent it's a high cost prevent all damage a source of your choice would deal this turn this okay. is significant. Even though it's a seven mana equivalent ability, and that is a lot, this can prevent damage from 
a spell or blasphemous act is now exactly nothing. exactly um all damage from a source of your choice that is that's quite the rattlesnake you can nullify a burn effect mm-hmm. you can nullify a board wipe that does damage you can also turn back an attacker but it's better than that because rather than maze of its effect where you basically pretend like that creature never even attacked you just right. untap it say we're gonna put everything back and can't get it this is different this doesn't untap the attacking creature and it doesn't prevent damage that would be dealt to it mm-hmm. so you can set up a very unfavorable block this way now it's an incredibly expensive effect Nobody really plays this effect. It's just something interesting to think about, I think. Maybe it's it, maybe it's something where, oh, I just want to deal combat damage. Okay, well, you do combat mm-hmm. damage, and you'll get your effect. Okay, this can turn that off. But again, preventing all damage, uh, uh, all damage. Of a source. Of your choice, yeah. It's so crazy. Comet Storm, any X spell, absolutely not a problem. Uh, and it's not target source. No. So... And emblems damage can be stopped this way. Yep, it's a source of your choice. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a very cool card. And for the record, it's it's about a quarter. There's a reason <laughs> so, it's a quarter. Yeah. yeah, but that's but at least it's at least it's a utility land that does tap for for a mana. Like it it, it isn't absolutely useless on a stick on its own. So I so let's do something that's very adjacent yeah. to the fog. It's not quite a fog, but it's right next door. Mm-hmm. And that's tap, kill your stuff. Yep. So the one that I want to bring out first here is Soul Snare. Okay. Which is a single white for an enchantment with an activated ability, white and sacrifice Soul Snare. Exile target creature that's attacking you or a planeswalker you control. Sure. Well, Mike... Um, Obviously, that's not going to blow up more than one thing, but it's certainly going to make people second guess whether they want to get their big creature exiled for attacking you and it never comes back. Hey, Mike, can I attack this person? Hey, Mike, can I attack this person? <laughs> hey, Mike. It's, it, my favorite... it's only for you, though. It's only attacking you or a planeswalker you right. control. Yeah. Right. So it's, 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 the, it's not the same thing by any means. But mm. now it's, Mike, can I attack you? I'd rather you didn't. If you do, something bad's going to happen. I'd rather you didn't. (laughs) If I attack you, is it going to go well? I don't know. Is it? (laughs) But uh, we know that that's not, by any stretch of the imagination, the limit of power that tap kill your stuff can be at. This is a classic from a a ways back. Uh, What was this from? uh, This is from uh, Conspiracy. Avatar of Woe. This was my first, like, legitimate magic card that made me go, whoa. Yeah, this and Avatar of Woe. it wasn't just for the fun. I love that card. Yeah. What a great effect on this card. Avatar of Woe, six black black for a creature avatar to six five. That's but, so expensive. But if there are ten or more creature cards in all graveyards, that's all graveyards combined. Avatar of Woe costs six less to cast, which means it costs black black. Black, black for a 6-5 with fear, which sure. means this creature can't be blocked except by artifact or black creatures. And the activated ability, destroy target creature, it can't be regenerated. Oh. For two mana, you have one of the 
harshest spot removal rattlesnakes. If anyone does anything you don't want with one of their creatures, just say, oh, absolutely not. That is going straight to the graveyard. Time to peace out. Yeah. Um, You can really threaten someone. Another one of those cards that got infinitely better as multiplayer became a bigger format. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Because when you have four graveyards... That's a lot more than two graveyards. It sure is. Now, it was designed for, for a pot of four. Conspiracy was a multiplayer trap oh. format. Did Glad you know that? It. Yeah. I, I did not know that. Well, there yeah. we go. The, again, the more you know. Judge Alex. Ring the bell twice. Ding, ding. Ding, ding. Um, yeah. No, Avatar of Woe is fantastic. And anything that gives the, you know, destroy target permanent, yeah. always good. Um, I kind of want to move on here to Lux Cannon. Um, because it's it's gonna take some time. That's a, that's a slow boy right there. It's a slower boy. But uh, um, proliferate decks might like it. Let's hear about oh, it. Oh, they absolutely do. Uh, so this is an artifact for four generic mana. Uh, mm-hmm. You can tap to put a charge counter on Lux Cannon, and then you can tap it, remove three charge counters from Lux Cannon, destroy target permanent. Mm-hmm. So I get what you're saying. Like you're, you're right. Pl- uh, proliferate decks, absolutely, totally fine with this. Um, the other one is. I don't know if you have any decks, Alex, where you like to untap a lot of artifacts. I'm out uh, of one and, deck that likes to do that. Yeah, um, yeah. But if you're untapping on everybody's, uh, everybody else's oh, untap. Like an unwinding or, clock or something. <laughs> yep, something along those lines. <laughs> With an unwinding um, clock, this is so deadly. This could be a very, very, very oppressive card. <laughs> it's, it's another one of those that, yeah, it's, it's definitely not for every deck, but it does what you want to do. It's... At the very, very least, what this card is, is it's I'm going to tap this and power it up, and you're either going to have to waste one of your removal spells to get rid of it, or I'm going to have a position where I can blow something up at, at will. Are you sure that you want to do that? I'll probably, you know, are you sure you want to go in that rattlesnake deck? Yeah. It's, I love that card. Lux Canada is really viewed as a very low power card. You really don't see it. Um, and that's, I think it's because it's just very, very niche. Um, yep. But uh, there are two other cards of note that I would like to talk about in this category. The first one, very famous lore card, Legacy Weapon. Mm-hmm. Legacy Weapon is a seven mana legendary artifact that tells the story of the uh, Weatherlight Saga. For yep. Wooburg, Exile, Target, Permanent. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Wooburg, Ex- Exile, Target, Permanent. If Legacy Weapon would be put into a graveyard from anywhere, Reveal it and shuffle it into its owner's library. Oofa doofa. Now that's a lot of mana, Mike. It is. But uh, that's a seven mana artifact that requires five specific mana activate. Don't you, you know feel fancy really when good? you when you Jota somebody out of existence? Yep. This is like that. Yep. Oh well. All right. Now, when you say Jota somebody out of existence, I love Legacy Weapon. It's very cool. But you don't like Jota. I no, I like Jota too. Jota's fine. I, I I have a jo- I don't have a Jota deck, but I have Jota in a deck, so okay. I get it. Right. Um, but if you're talking about Jotaing somebody out of out of existence, this doesn't exist. This this is what we should have talked about before, but I can't think of a better time than literally again Jotaing somebody out of existence. Can we talk about Door to Nothingness real quick? Boy, we sure can, Mike. Oh boy, it's so silly. Five generic artifact Door to Nothingness enters the battlefield tapped. For Wooburg twice, that's two white, two blue, two black, two red, two green, and tap it, sacrifice door to nothingness. Target player loses the game! Yeah, this card is so, just so hype. 
it oh never gets set up. This is this is the uh, the Chekhov's gun that doesn't go off. No, because the the upshot in a two player format is ten men to win the game, which is very very hard to do. Sure, but could possibly be worth ten men if you can generate an infinite amount of mana. Uh, however, we're in a multiplayer format, so <laughs> what you're going to do with this is maybe make one player lose the game, and then everyone else is like. Uh, let's kill that guy. Yep, pretty much. Yeah, um, uh, that's a really fun card. It's it's so silly, and I, you know, just for our flavor text win of the week, uh, yeah. only a madman could create such a door. Only an imbecile would open it. Only, only an, an imbecile in- would open it. <laughs> I love that so much. The last one that I want to talk about in this category um, is the first mono white commander, Lieutenant Kirar. I did not know about this one before no. you brought it up. This I'm pretty from, happy uh, about it. from Marari. For one mm-hmm. white white, it's a legendary creature bird soldier for 2-2 two, two with flying. And it has an activated ability, pay one and a white, sacrifice Lieutenant Kirar, or Kirtar, uh, exile target attacking creature. Now, this is from way back in the day, so, mm-hmm. you know, little... Not super efficient on the meta. However, I love this idea of attack me at your own risk. I was going to say this kind of leans into uh, one of our other topics that we're talking about. Um, But it's, hey, this is I'm going to take you down with me. If Mm -hmm. you do this, I'm sacking this. And if if this is your commander, uh, first of all, are you doing okay? But more importantly, it's a I'm going to sacrifice this, but your thing's getting exiled. Good or you're going to do something else. Right. Yeah, there's there's a whole host of cards that are in this category that Mike's itching to get to. Kill or destroy at your own risk. Love it. These these are the political cards that I right. live for. This is where we're at, buddy. Um, <laughs> I'll tell let's, you what. Yeah. Do you want to go ahead and start with the big one up top? Oh, let's start with this big boy right here. Bearer of the Heavens. Yeah. For seven and a red creature giant, it's a 10-10. When Bearer of the Heavens dies, destroy all permanents at the beginning of the next end step. Mm-hmm. Now that's uh, that's Atlas holding the world up, and then when you kill Atlas, that's the entire <laughs> world crashing down on you and being destroyed. Yep. This is this is the it's pretty uh, awesome. You know what? You know what? Teferi's protection is pretty good. Let's do that. <laughs> no, no kidding. No kidding. Yeah. I, I do like that a lot. It, it's... Anytime it's destroy all permanence. Mm, so mean. Oof. Oh. And I, have, like, uh... I, I like how they say that this is basically... They're basically pay, paying this as a downside. Like, it's an 8-mana 10-10. Yeah. That says, oh, by the way, when it dies, everything else does, too. That's That's the only effect that anyone cares about. Yeah. <laughs> um, Red, Red I, are you doing okay, buddy? <laughs> in uh, in Kamigawa and again in Iconic Masters, there was a cycle of legendary dragon spirits, Mike, that had yep. some interesting effects when they died. Do you want to talk about one of these? Uh, yeah. Let's go ahead and start with the, uh, I think, the meanest one mm-hmm. um, because I've played I've played them all and this is the one that I I've I think I know which one you're talking about. about. Well... You say the morning, the morning yep. star. Uh, four generic, two white, legendary creature, dragon spirit, five five flying. All of that sounds well and good. Uh, when Yosei the morning star dies, target player skips his or her next untapped step. 
Tap up to five target permanents that player controls. Oh, it's so brutal. Do you know what white likes to do? Stacks. Likes to it, it well, it likes it likes stacks. It also likes to recur creatures from yeah. time to time. Yeah. There is nothing grosser than putting a Yose in a uh, uh, Yose. Really likes to be in a mimic vat mm. with any kind of sack outlet. It's it's the meanest thing that you can possibly do. Uh, I. It's it's man. It's an oppressive effect. It's just positively brutal. Nobody, nobody wants Yose to be pointed at them, nope. because that's that's really quite akin to. Uh, to being hit by Vorinclex. Not yeah. the new Vorinclex, but the old one. Right. Uh, that says that as long as Vorinclex is in play, uh, lands your opponent's control don't, uh, when they tap them, they don't untap during your next untap step. This mm-hmm. is quite a bit like that, except instead of lands, it's whatever I feel like, which right. is probably some lands. Uh, also, these other five things in addition, they're not going to be doing much this, oh, this, uh, this next. Truly. Just devastating. How about we move on to one of the nicer? Uh, oh, here's <laughs> the a nice one. This one's really nice. Phyrexian Obliterator. Oh, yeah, just very, very nice for quadruple black, 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 black creature horror for a five-five with trample. Hmm. Whenever a source deals damage to Phyrexian Obliterator, that source's controller sacks that many permanents. Oofa oh, doofa. boy, isn't this nicer, Mike? But, okay, so in a way it is, because you know what? I If I sacrifice the Phyrexian Obliterator, it's totally fine. It's, mm-hmm. it's just gone. Um, I can't, there, Alex, there's no cards that allow somebody to say you're going to do damage to this thing, right? I mean... Except for all the cards that allow you to do that. Yeah, also, <laughs> any attacks on the ground. This yeah. This card basically says... Don't ever attack me as long as this right. creature's on the board. Because if you do, it's it's just it's bad news. You if you attack me, you better have a token deck. Yeah. <laughs> and you better be good with a lot of those things going away. Yeah. Holy cow, that card's so rough. Uh, just nasty. Behold then, blessed perfection. Sure. Yeah. And then and then there's a bunch of cards that are just like, hey, when this dies, destroy a permanent. You know, uh High Priest of Penance. Uh, one white, one black, human cleric. When penance is dealt damage, you may destroy target land, non-land permanent. Well, it's a 1-1. One, one, unless you can do something to give it, you know, indestructible. Mm-hmm. Gross. Uh, you go straight into Archon of Justice. Uh, three generic, two white, Archon, 4-4 four, four with flying. When Archon of Justice dies, exile target permanent. Oh. Okay. That's... Exile target permanent is rough. You know what's you even really... rougher... Then do you really want to lose your Gaia's Cradle? Don't lose your Gaia's Cradle. It's someone else getting the power level equivalent of a Gaia's Cradle. Let's talk about Academy Rector. Hell yeah! This, when I said, do you want to start with the big boy at the top of the list? I forgot that we were looking at Barrier of the Heavens because this is what I was oh, talking about. Oh, this is what you meant? This card is so you know, scary. I don't think of her as a big boy. I think of her as like a nice grandma that's just I... going to wrap your knuckles if you do something wrong. Oh, I'm I'm more looking at the price tag too. Oh yeah, no, she's <laughs> she's expensive. So, Academy Rector is a classic card. It's a one-two cleric for three and a white. When Academy Rector dies, you may exile it. If you do, search your library for an enchantment card and put it onto the battlefield. Uh, 
Um, I love this card so much. It is so awesome. I love people having no desire to ever attack me because they might get my rector and then not going to find something real mean. I'm trying to remember the name of the card, but it was one of the weirdest group hug decks that I played. And I, I deconstructed it because it was, it was fun, but it uh-huh. was bad. And I realized like, oh, I don't have a win. I don't have a win con in this. It's just for doing weird stuff. Um, I think it was called, Fra- is it Fractured Identity? Where if you, you could destroy mm-hmm. a permanent and then everybody else gets a copy of that permanent. Mm-hmm. That's the one. Uh, one of my favorite things I've ever done is fracture, Fractured Identity to my own Academy Rector. <laughs> it's like, you know what? I'm going to do something and it's going to be really cool, but I'm going to give everybody the same chance. <laughs> There's uh, also and, her uh, her sister or niece, maybe, or Ring Rector. Yep. Her three and a white, one, two human cleric. Whenever Ring Rector dies, you're going to exile it if you do. Search your library for a Planeswalker card and put it onto the battlefield. Shuffle your library. That is not nothing. No. That, like, I... It, it surprises me that there is such a... I understand there is a lot more scary enchantments. Mm-hmm. Enchantments have been around a lot longer than Planeswalkers. There are some terrifying Planeswalkers. Mm-hmm. So the idea of this card being basically $10 versus Academy Rector being 102 The enchantments just combo off so much easier. Omniscience. I know... Yeah. It's just, it, it's just, man, come on, Arena Rector. Get up there. You can do it. I like how they're both like, hey, what's up? They're very, they're very smug about it. Go ahead and kill me. I dare you. Here's a big time kill at your own risk. This is a classic stacks piece. Aura of Silence. Yeah. For one white, white, an enchantment that says artifact and enchantment spells your opponents cast cost two more to cast. And then it has an activated ability, sacrifice aura of silence, destroy target artifact or enchantment. That is really mean because they really want to remove that. And yep. you know that as soon as they do, you're going to blow up their stuff. Yep. Yeah. There's going to be a problem. It's, it's, it's again, it's a night. It's, it's the example of snake bite where it is literally, it's a rattlesnake. Like what's worse? How bad do you want to get rid of this thing? Letting it bite you. Yep. Yeah. Oh, uh, bleh so mean there's one more in this set that's uh, uh a couple more actually Th- this is mm-hmm. one that i really like but nobody seems to know about her um but she's in a in the card art for one of the new cards in uh secret layer black as magic and that is a uh, joel rail the empress of beasts i do i'm very happy because we peek behind the curtain we had talked about making a list of rattlesnakes mm-hmm. and then we realized wow there's a whole lot of rattlesnakes there's a lot and i'm glad I, and and eventually and it was we made the first uh walk through the mm-hmm. list and i have i have drill rail in more than one deck and in one of those decks it's because oh i play a lot of lands so i want to make it's a lands deck i want to make all those lands into creatures and attack that's my my win condition essentially but holy cow is it work both ways and it can be super mean go ahead buddy a lot of people don't even realize that this is also a rattlesnake effect and that's what i use it for jorail empress of beast three uh green green for a three three legendary creature human spell shaper with the activated ability two and a green tap discard two cards until end of turn all lands target player controls are three three creatures that are still lands mm-hmm. now a lot of people look at that mike and they think oh this is a finisher to a aggro deck that has a lot of ramp 
because now you have Raises an additional hand. <laughs> 5, 10, 15, 20 creatures, right. depending on how many lands you have. You're in a green deck, after all, um, <laughs> that can now attack and, you know, get in for, for good damage. But sure. that's not why we're talking about her. No. We're talking about her because of this thing that's uh, that you can threaten to do with her that people may not realize you can do. And that's, you don't have to target yourself. Nope. You can target another player and say, well, what good would that do? That's just going to give them more blockers. That's just going to just give them advantage. Which politically, sure, that could be helpful. Sure, it could. That's not really what I want to use it for right now. Um, I want to use it when somebody is threatening to wipe the board. Wrath of God doesn't say all non-land creatures. Yeah. Chain Reaction doesn't deal damage to all non-land creatures. Now, there, there are effects that say destroy all non-land permanents. This right. isn't to protect against that. This is specifically no. to protect against creature board wipes. Destroy all creatures. Yep. Things like that. And deal damage to all creatures. That is because like all of their lands are now land creatures. And right. land creatures can be destroyed by Doomscar, Wrath of God, every other board wipe. Um, and this is just absolutely brutal. If they want to subvert your position, and presumably you're in a green deck, which means you're running this in a deck that has a lot of board commitment. You're putting mm-hmm. a lot of permanents on the board. You're overextending and getting aggressive. That's something that's going to draw the wrath. And this is something that says, if you wrath, I'm going to make your life completely miserable. All of your lands are going to get blown up. You're going to do the thing you want to do, but right. are you sure you want to? It's going to hurt you a lot more than it's, it's going to hurt It's not even me. me who's blowing up your lands. You're blowing up your own lands. Yes. You're just blowing up the creatures. I don't know. I mean, I'm sorry that those those things that you tap for mana so you can play the game turn into creatures. Yeah, how she's, did that happen? She's, she's, a, she, she's, she's a rough, she's a rough she cookie. Is. I have one last one to talk about in this category. And, and yes, please. Can, uh, and that's Glenelendra Archmage. Yeah, permission. Oh, what a great, great creature. Um, three and a blue for a 2-2 fairy wizard with flying and persist and pay a blue and sack Glenelendra Archmage, counter target non-creature spell. Mm-hmm. Holy moly. This is such a nasty card because it can counter two spells at yep. least. At least. If somebody removes it, She's going to come back, and you can get another counterspell with her. If somebody has a counterspell that's going to remove her, you can counter that spell, and then just bring her right back. It's This is... We'll, we'll talk about how so many of these rattlesnakes are effective because they force someone to act twice to get right. one effect. They have to remove your thing twice. They have to kill this thing before they can wipe your board, etc., etc., this is the same thing, but instead of two times, it's three times. Right. You'll have to burn two spells to get her off the board. You'll have to destroy her twice, and then another effect to get through an uncountered spell. This is... I mean, you don't have to be in a fairy or a wizard deck to run Glenelendra, Mike. I don't know about no. you. I love this just, card. Just running blue. I mean, it, it's... And, and again, if it's on the board, it, it turns into, again, one of my favorite things. Mm-hmm. Mike, can I play this? Mike, can I play this? Boy, you sure but, can. Yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Go for it. Oh, no. Not that. No, sorry. <laughs> no, That's not, not that. Okay. Nope. Nope. I don't, I don't have a Glenelendra for reasons, because I feel like it would awaken something dark inside me. But oh, I also I also fully acknowledge the, the amount of power and the fun that Glenelendra is. There's 
one more category that we want to talk about here, mm-hmm. and that's Graveyard Go Bye Bye. Now, I didn't write this category name, so I would have yeah, just called it Graveyard me. Hate. We'll call it Graveyard <laughs> Hate. <laughs> um, perhaps some of the most classic Graveyard Hate cards in the entire game are on this list because most of them work like this. Let's start Let's start small. How about uh, Nihil Spellbomb? Sure. It's for one, it's an artifact. Tap and sacrifice Nihil Spellbomb. Exile all cards from target player's graveyard. Mm-hmm. When Nihil Spellbomb is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, you may pay black. If you do, draw a card. Okay. That's it. It's simple. One mana. It's effective. It's cheap. And it, and it, re- it's, and it replaces itself in a way. Like, okay, yep. fine. That's it's pretty that's pretty efficient. And I think that's that's kind of the thing that's been really weird looking into this specific part of the list. Graveyard is becoming more and more and more of a resource in our in our format. Right. And the ways to shut down graveyards so are so incredibly cheap. So cheap. I mean, like it, you want to know how cheap? How about we talk about Tormod's Crypt? Tormod's Crypt. Zero mana artifact. Tap, sacrifice Tormod's Crypt. Exile all cards from target player's graveyard. That's it. The end. The end. That's and ridiculous. That's for zero mana. What if you're willing to pay one mana? How about if you want Relic of Progenitus for one da, mana? Da, da, da. You get an artifact. Tap target player exiles a card from their graveyard. And it also has pay one and exile Relic of Progenitus. Exile all cards from all graveyards. Draw a card. Now, the interesting thing about this is that not only do you have the rattlesnake of the big graveyard exile effect mm-hmm. that you know will hose all the reanimator decks and all the decks that care about sure. the graveyards, but you also had this temple effect where, especially early in the game, where a lot of cards aren't being dumped into graveyards yet, but mm-hmm. maybe uh, somebody entombs something, maybe somebody has a crucible of worlds and they're... Uh, they're putting fetch lands into their graveyard. Maybe you're talking about a Marin deck that literally just got their Spore Frog into the graveyard mm-hmm. last turn. Now, at instant speed, exile a card from his or her grave. Now, this is important. Mm-hmm. That player will choose what card they exile from their graveyard. Yes. So the earlier in the game it is, the emptier their graveyard is, the more effective that is. But even if... They pick the one you don't want. Well, you know what? You can just pay one exile and just blow up all the graveyards. <laughs> um, and this is not the only card in this category. There's also Silent Gravestone. No. If one mana to cast and then one mana to activate exile all cards from all graveyards is too much for you. Well, okay. How about one? Soul Guide Lantern. One mana artifact. When it enters the battlefield, exile target card from a graveyard. So it's already doing work. You can sacrifice it and tap it. And you can exile each opponent's graveyard, so you're even keeping your own at that point. And you can pay one, tap it, sacrifice it, draw a card. So it's it's a lot of different options on a stick. Uh, Alex, why don't you lead us into our next one? Silent Gravestone is a one-mana artifact that says cards in graveyards can't be the targets of spells or abilities. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be really hard for somebody to get a card out of the graveyard and onto the battlefield when they can't target it. They would have to do a mass reanimation effect, which sure. costs more. Uh, but it also has an activated ability. Pay four and tap, exile silent gravestone, and all cards from all graveyards, draw a card. Draw a card. So that's that's the great thing about these graveyard hate effects. They're ridiculously cheap. 
and they either have multiple upsides or multiple rattlesnakes. Um, graveyard hate is very, very effective, Mike. Do you run any graveyard hate? I run ground seal. I don't. I don't run the eggs. I, I've got one bajuka bug. Mm-hmm. I I run. I don't run graveyard hate as rattlesnakes more times than not. I if I because. For me, but they always could be used as them. They could be. Like, right. I, I usually use the overall, I'm never going to use something out of my graveyard, so I'm just going to have this that nobody else can. But I think it would be better for me to run some of these rattlesnake type of cards mm-hmm. um, because it's the idea of making people decide and make deals with me rather than just shutting something down is a lot more attractive. Sure, Mike. The next one I have here is Scavenger Grounds. I love this card. (laughs) Scavenger Grounds is a desert land, utility land. Tap and add a colorless, and two tap, sacrifice a desert, exile all cards from all graveyards. Mm -hmm. The opportunity cost, Mike, of running an effect on a utility land is so low because it makes you mana, and it's a land. So an effect like this, Bajuka Bog in a black deck, but if you're not in a black deck, right here, Scavenger Grounds. And if you are so inclined, I haven't gone this far, but some people have, you can run multiple deserts in your mana base so that you can continue to exile graveyards. Because Scavenger Grounds doesn't tell you to exile itself. It can, because it is a desert, and that's usually how I'm using it. But if you are so inclined you could exile another desert. Um, (laughs) Not too many of the deserts are worth running, but hey, that's always available. That is something that's very possible to do. If if that's the effect that you're looking for, there it is. So I'll tell you what, there's still so many rattlesnakes and there's still so many cards. So I'll tell you what, we're we're not running long, but we're approaching. I want each of us to pick one more rattlesnake, whether it's something that's, on this list or it's something that's a little bit you know out there maybe it's it's kind of in a category we weren't sure of right do you want to go first or should i let's see what i want mike i know the perfect card okay karmic justice yeah damn it okay oh is that the one you're gonna pick mike that's fine i had a backup already karmic justice is two and a white for an enchantment whenever a spell or ability an opponent controls destroys a non-creature permanent you control, you may destroy target permanent that opponent controls. So that's, yeah, tongue twister. Basically what that means is if an opponent blows up one of your non-creature permanents, you can blow any of their permanents up at instant speed. It's a trigger. Um, It's way better Martyr's Bond. Oh, it's great. (laughs) And Martyr's Bond is good. This is such a good card. Martyr's Bond is, is a horse of a different color, Mike, because with Martyr's Bond... You can destroy your own things and blow up other people's things. Correct. If you're feeling really mean. But Karmic Justice is, it's its half the cost. Instead of whatever it is, like four double white, this is two and a white. And boy, howdy, when you have this up, nobody wants to blow your stuff up. Why would anybody want to blow your stuff up when you can destroy the best thing they have? You can destroy their guy's cradle, their commander, their biggest mana rock, anything. Oh, it's just... And and that includes this permanent. If they try to blow this up, which they will want to... They will. Yeah. (laughs) They'll take that rattlesnake bite. Oh, you want to blow this up? That's okay. I'll just blow up your best stuff. Right. Yeah. And and here's the thing. 
in most of these situations, that's the right move. Like, but you still get completely ruined. You do. You have to. You have to say, okay, do I want to get one really, really, really nasty snake bite now, or ten later? Yeah, because that's that's what you're dealing with. I, that's I, the pro- People can't plan ahead that well. People can't. Uh, don't often form these plans of like, oh my gosh, karmic mm-hmm. justice is such a big and scary snake that I have to like, I have to find a way to beat it. Most people will be like, oh my god, I can't even touch them. They, they feel chilled and defeated by it rather than feeling <laughs> invigorated to destroy it. Now, some people do, and those people are still getting bit. That's the best part. So I tell you what, Alex. Yeah. You picked Karmic Justice, which was one of the two cards I was thinking about. <laughs> okay. So, so as far as I'm concerned, this is a twofer for me. All right. Um, your card is very upfront about what it does and how mean it is. Mm-hmm. My card... Let you know that there is an infinite amount of possibility of the mean that exists. I want to talk about Sunforger. <laughs> I love Sunforger. Oh, that's great. Three mana artifact. Equipped creature gets plus four plus L. Well, okay, sure. Uh, with an equipped cost of three. More importantly, for a red and a white and unattaching Sunforger, search your library for a red or white instant card with converted mana cost four or less and cast that card without paying its mana cost. Then shuffle your library. Yeah. Um, it's Alex, there's a, there's a whole lot of red and white instants <laughs> for four mana or less that are destructive. How about Teferi's Protection? Teferi's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Teferi's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what? Maybe you don't want to do that. Maybe you want to do something silly, like cast Master Warcraft right before your combat. How about Boros Charm? Yeah, how about that? Even if you want to do something silly, like, I don't know. Oh, man, look at that really big scary creature, Path. Yeah. It's, I love Sunforger. It is one of those cards that uh, I'm really thankful they reprinted a couple of times recently. Mm -hmm. Because I felt like this card was up there for a bit, and now it's less than a buck. That's good, because this is, it's a Boros staple. Every single Boros deck likes this card. Right, because... The only decks that don't like this are a Boros deck that has no instance. And if you're right. running that, I really hope you got a, a like a interesting win con because that's how you keep up. I think with a lot of the stuff. Now, that's I have going a Jeskai deck, and, and this used to be in there, but uh, the reason why it was in there was because I counted and I had ten red or white instant spells with CMC four or less. Having an equipment that will find me some of my best spot removal, some of my best just ruin the board pieces this is great but you do have to keep that in mind you're running an effect that tutors out a specific kind of card so if you do not have i would 10 is like the lowest i would not do any less than 10 if you have fewer than 10 red or white instant cards cmc4 or less in your deck uh, either add some more or don't add this okay two things yeah first of all you said tutor and you're right but it's not just tutor. tutor it's tutor and cast Ah, oh, I'm not tutor putting it in my cast. head. Cast, hmm. yeah. Uh, so it's tutor. It's tutor plus. Yeah, I love thank it. You. And this might be just a a deck building. This might be a deck building disconnect that we have, which is good because you and I agree far too often. If I have like four instant, if I have an instant that is an absolute win con, mm-hmm. and that's why I brought up Master Warcraft. If I, have an, if I have an instant that's an absolute win con, 
And I've got a couple more that, like, I if I've got something that's got enough spice to it, if I'm running four or five, I'm comfortable with something like Sunforger. But that's also because I'm usually running this in equipment decks. So the synergies is going to okay. be a little bit Yeah, better. in an equipment deck, it's a little bit of a different story. I'm really talking right. about a Boros deck that doesn't have yeah. equipment. You need a high number of synergy. That's fair. That's fair. I, and and sometimes for those, it's uh, there, there's been a Boros deck that I've made in the past where Sunforger was the only equipment. Right. But I also put in the Open the Armory card so I could specifically find Sunforger. Now, in an and, equipment deck, this is it's way better because you have oh, yeah. these Sigarda's 8 effects where you equip for zero. So instead yep. of paying three red-white to tutor a CMC4 card, you're paying red-white, which is yep. uh, way better. <laughs> yep. Uh, I, I will I will, I will. will tell you outright that um, uh, Jessica and Arden, yeah. Sunforger does some work. Oh, I bet it does. So those are some of the rattlesnakes that we wanted to bring up. There are tons of other ones. So many. So, uh, hit us up with uh, some of your uh, favorite ones. Like we didn't even talk about Mangara. We didn't talk about Strip uh, all the. Like, we didn't talk about all of these cards that are like, whoa. There's but so many. That's that's because our list is like sixty five cards. <laughs> we only <laughs> talked about this for a little bit. Um, so we're gonna take a quick break. We're gonna come back with some advice and a couple extra cards uh, before Alex is gonna talk us about uh, about a video um, that he he had sent, and I'm pretty excited about it. We'll be right back. All right, we're back with something old, something new, uh, some advice for some veteran players from Alex, and my advice for some newer players is it's okay to give away some information for free. We're talking about rattlesnakes and how scary they are because, oh, look at this imminent threat. But a threat is just that. It can be a bluff. It could just be words. But if you have something to back it up, if you have facts, if you have evidence... It's not a threat, it's a promise. And that is a pretty effective measure of power. But even then, even if you just want to get across the... Even if you want to get away from the, well, this is scary, and this is how to be more scary. For me, just let people know what your plan is. This is something that Alex has touched on specifically in the past. Mm -hmm. But for new players, let people know what your plan is. If you're sitting there saying, hey, I'm going to set this stuff up, I'm hoping that I can attack you guys next turn. Maybe that means they're going to try and stop you. And maybe that means that you don't get the win that you probably could have if you had been sneaky about it. But think about how much they're going to like respect what you're saying. Think about how much they're going to say, Ooh, you know what? I'm willing to make a deal with this guy. I'm willing to make a deal with her. Because they're telling me what's going on. They're right. putting their information up front. That's really important. Integrity. And I, I'm always making deals with those people if I can. You know, Mike, this sounds uh, eerily similar to that advice that I had about uh, announcing what you're doing <laughs> <laughs> to that employer. I, I agree. <laughs> but I, and, and the reason that I'm saying it is because a rattlesnake isn't just a rattlesnake. Mm -hmm. A rattlesnake has to have some weight behind it. And sometimes mm. that's you like, hey, I've got a counterspell in my hand. Right. Do you? Yeah, here it is. You know, it's 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 saying this is what we're working with. This is what I'm working with. You're so uh, what's the plan? You're dipping a little bit into into what I had, and that's to, to try some of these uh verbal or nonverbal rattlesnake uh, okay. on the table off the card effects. And we talked about a couple of them, so I'll go ahead and, and recap. Um I've four different ones here. 
And the first was revealing a card from a hidden zone, like your hand, or mm-hmm. like uh, from face down on the battlefield or in exile, um, just to allow people to know that you have it, sure. to prove that you have it. Um, but you don't have to do that every time, because then if you don't have it, you kind of put yourself in a corner. So use this selectively. Show off when it's appropriate. Okay. But don't make the only time that you don't show the card off when you don't have the card. Because yeah. that's going to make it pretty difficult to uh, to bluff effectively if you have a reputation for, you know, flashing the card. Um sure. Speaking of that, the reputation itself, uh, you can cultivate a reputation. We we talked about this in a in a previous episode. Um, I mentioned uh, the rabid dog technique, mm-hmm. and that's not the only one. There are there are other ones, but basically, if you advocate for yourself and you uh, respond to threats that are leveled at you, that are dealt to you when something dishonorable happens to you, somebody breaks a deal uh, that they had with you. Things that have spurned you need to be avenged 77-fold. You need to make them, in-game, in in the game, regret the day they were born. Mm -hmm. Not in real life, but in the game, if somebody messes with you, one option you have to cultivate a reputation is say, well, I did have a plan, but uh, if I fall, you're going down with me. Yeah. Now, no, absolutely. That you don't have to do that every time, and and that may not just be who you want to be. But I will tell you that doing things like that regularly, without being you know mean about it, like oh I hate you so much, but more like hey, this is what I said was going to happen, and now this is what's happening. Um, you know, tough break, man. Maybe next time you won't hit me. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> you know, you 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 just you tell them what's going on. Um, having that reputation is very powerful because it's it's not a reputation for whining or for complaining or for being a poor sport. It's a mm-hmm. reputation for standing up for what you have and maybe not making yourself like, oh, don't hit me, but like, oh my gosh, if I hit Mike, he is just going to ruin my board. I can't do that. Like, at that point, they've turned it away from you without you even having to have made an argument for yourself. And that's that's the ultimate rattlesnake, right? It's it's already in their head. Your rattlesnake is living rent free in their head, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. But we have, I like that a lot. We have a couple of other ones. Uh, earlier, I talked about holding up an iconic amount of mana. Your your blue blue, your single white, your six blue. Um, and this is another strategy, and uh, and as long as you're doing that prominently and um, making it clear that you're holding mana up to do a thing or to mm-hmm. consider doing a thing and not because you don't have anything to do because if they think you don't have anything to do then you're not a threat but if right. they know that you've made a choice not to tap out because you do have something you may want to do then the more coherent that that threat becomes in their head whether you reveal it whether you imply what it is whether you give sort of a vague implication like, I'm not really going to say what it is, but uh, let's just keep your hands off my board, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this kind of thing can work very effectively with bluffing. Um, you do not have to have a counter spell. You don't have to have spot removal. You don't have to have a psych rift. As long as you can 
reasonably convince other people that you do, then you do have one. And it just countered that spell. And it just removed that permanent because they never played it in the first place. All right. Um, All right. Yeah. I mean, it. Mm, it's not lying. It's bluffing. But it's bluffing, not bluffing. Bluffing it's is just, lying. It's showing it's, the option of. Right. It's, it's very important that we have a distinction here because when we talk about lying, we're talking about withholding information and then implying that you're not withholding any information. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, sure, I won't attack you. Fingers crossed. Um, <laughs> but you're withholding the information that you really will attack them. Uh, you're right. you're breaking that covenant. You're that's that's a feels bad situation. Mm-hmm. Bluffing is is different in my opinion. When you're bluffing, you're not you're not really withholding information because the information is already withheld. You have a hidden set of cards. They don't know what's in them, and they know that they don't know what's in them. But you can convince them that you have something that they don't want you to use. You don't have to tell them what it is. You don't even have to say that you have it as long as you can convince somebody that you might do something. And this is right. it's a very, very special dance, isn't it, Mike? I like that. Yeah. I like that a lot. That That's pretty slick. So I'll tell you what. You're talking about the information that isn't on the cards. Mm-hmm. How about we talk about some cards some more? Uh, let's move on to, ooh, can I see that? So we're going to talk about some cards that are really underplayed. We each think that we're bringing some really interesting cards to the table. And if you want to grab them, you can help us out in the process. So we have partnered with TCGplayer.com. So if you're looking for any singles, sealed product, deck boxes, sleeves, playmats, really anything to spice up your game experience, go to bit.ly slash EDH social or click on the link in our show notes. You don't pay anything extra and you'll really help us out by buying all the things you were going to anyway. Alex, why don't you start us off with a card our listeners may be interested in picking up and may have heard uh, fairly recently, <laughs> but we got to dive into this because yeah. it didn't get nearly enough love. Yeah, in uh, in the other week's episode with uh, Rachel Weeks, who just a lovely guest to have, I'm very pleased Absolutely. that we could, would have her on. Um, I had a card that I recommended called Null Mage Advocate uh, that was this very group hug style effect where you could give somebody back three cards from their graveyard and reanimate a card from your graveyard. And I mentioned uh, that there are four other cards in this cycle. And then I rattled them off probably to everyone's great boredom. However, <laughs> one of those cards uh, is perfect for what we're talking about today. And that's rattlesnakes. Uh, Spurred Mage Advocate is a creature human nomad. It's a one, one for whites and it has tap return two target cards from an opponent's graveyard to their hand Destroy target attacking creature. It's a really cheap, really and cheap, a powerful effect. In more than one way, this is printed in Judgment. It's sixteen cents. Yep. It's in three hundred and ten decks, which is zero percent of white decks. It's a one-one for one. With tap, destroy target attacking creature on it. Yep. In white. So the only downside is that somebody has to have two cards in their graveyard. Not the person who controls the attacking creature necessarily. Just somebody. Just 
Any other opponent has to have two cards in their graveyard. Uh, that's going to happen pretty often. It's not yep. like 10 creature cards like Avatar of Woe. It's no. two any cards. Uh, Mike, what do you think about Sperm Edge Advocate? So not only is this a really good Rattlesnake, this is also a really good, like, not group hug card, but making friends and deals card. Political card. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know what would be a really good card to return to somebody's hand? Hmm. Fetch land. Hey, mm-hmm. I can put that back in your hand. You can that's get okay, people buddy. straight up value. I got yeah. you. Yeah. I just want to take care of this thing that's 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 hurting us. It's bad. Ugh. The part of me that was most surprised was the fact that this, not that it's a 1-1, not that it's even a tap effect without mana, but that it's a one mana card. Yeah. And it's just like, whoa, that's pretty spicy. It's a one mana I, card with a zero mana tap ability that destroys yeah. a creature. Yeah. I... I don't know. And it's I, not it's, a creature that's attacking you. It's no, just attacking. any creature that is attacking. Again, like, the you pay one mana to play this. And most of the time, people are going to have to use a resource to get rid of that if it's going to bother them. And there's a, there's a couple of one mana removal effects. But they're going to be using a one-mana removal effect on a 1-1 one, one that cost you one mana. Nobody wants to remove this thing. This is such... If you have to use a removal spell on this, you're like, oh my god, I can't believe I have yeah. to burn a removal spell on Spurn Mage Advocate. I but... can't believe that I have to Chaos Warp this thing yeah. so I can use so you... my Atali. <laughs> but like... now, because you Chaos Warped it, next what comes out is the big boy. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. We'll see. Eh, we'll yeah. see. At the very least, it, Let, it's, it's very rarely not going to be an upgrade. It was like reprinted a lot. one time in Commander 2011, the first Commander set. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's in the 2008 border. So you have two options. They're both below one quarter of a dollar. Yep. Uh, if this sounds interesting to you, please go out and buy it. Use our link at uh, bit.ly slash social. Mike, tell me about your card. Yeah. So I noticed something in the list that we made mm-hmm. uh, before, and, and we talked about some of the cards, but it was surprising to me. There wasn't a ton of blue. Mm. And I thought, well, that doesn't seem right. Like, blue has some of the most, like, Glenelendra is one of the most rattlesnake cards that's out there, isn't mm-hmm. it? And then I thought about it, and it's like, oh, well, that's because blue does most of the stuff at instant speed, or it's a counterspell, or it's a cyclonic rift. Like, that's the big stuff, you know? It's not warning you that it's going to happen. So I kind of put a challenge to myself to try and find a blue snake bite card that people haven't heard of, and I came up with something called Douse. Alex, this is a two generic and a blue enchantment for one generic and a blue. Counter target red spell, play this ability as an interrupt. So it's just counter red spell for mm-hmm. two mana on an enchantment repeatable tell me how red and tell me about all the ways that red uh, removes enchantments well it doesn't do it very well i'll tell you that mm-hmm. um, um and and if you got two mana it doesn't matter if they have it or not mm-hmm. it, i i like this i like these kind of cards where it's a and when i say i like i mean i appreciate it doesn't mean that i play that <laughs> Because this is a cool card, but man, it can hurt. But if you're playing a four-player game, maybe you're playing this card and it's only really hurting one person. But you know what you can do? You can make deals with that one person. 
because it's a choose to do so effect. Right. It's not a have to do so effect. I like it when I have a counterspell on a stick because it means that deals are being made. It means that things can be done. And I'm not stopping people from playing magic. I'm stopping people from playing mean magic. The nice thing about douse mm-hmm. is that you hold up two mana with the possibility that you'll counter a red spell. Yep. But if you don't, you're in you blue. You still have two mana. You probably have a counter spell or something else, yeah. a draw spell. There's no difficulty in a blue deck holding up two mana so that maybe once in a while you'll hit a red spell and you don't even go down a card. Right. This is this is one of those cards. I See, when you said the best thing about Douse, I thought you were going to say the fact that it's a quarter. But you're right. It's a quarter. The yeah. actual effect of the card is very impressive. And it's it's in 174 decks. Like, yeah. I... There are there are a certain amount of cards, and we'll get into this in future episodes, believe it or not, that I went. That is a really powerful effect in blue. Right. That I found less than like six hundred cards, or six, that I found in less than six hundred decks. So I'm I'm gonna preview for a couple of episodes, everybody. Uh, I'm gonna be leaning into blue a bit. Interesting, Mike. When you showed me this card, my mm-hmm. mind immediately leapt to two cards in specific that are, um, I believe, much older than this. Yes, they're they're older. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe more or less well... You know, these cost a little more, so they probably are, are more well-known. Um, sure. And that's Life Force and Death Grip. Those were the two that I was thinking of, yeah. Fantastic. So Life Force is an enchantment for green-green, and it has an activated ability. Green-green, counter-target black spell. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, likewise... Death Grip is an enchantment for Black Black, and it has an activated ability, Black Black, counter-target green spell. I I love these enchantments that say, stop this color, stop this uh, opposing color mm-hmm. from trying to do the mean things to you. I, I kind of like the, the dual nature of that. And those were the ones that I was looking at, and I was, I was pretty surprised that all of them are... I understand their niche, but it's it's a... It's a niche that it's you can put this in you can put douse in any blue deck and if you're playing somebody that's playing red it's a very powerful effect right I think it's not the, a I have to play this in counter spell decks kind the of issue like is that, that it, it's so niche that unless you're in a like a kitchen table pot or a meta that's very heavy in red, it's oh, yeah. difficult to justify running an effect like that, unless That's you're right. in like a, you know a blind seer deck or something like that. Uh, that that was actually one of the cards we're going to talk about in the future, buddy. Fantastic. <laughs> um, uh, so those are the cards that we're talking about this week. Yeah. Uh, again, pick those up at Bitly slash EDH Social. And Alex, you sent me a video uh, pretty recently that I got kind of excited about because I saw that you were excited about it. Um, for our judges, our judges corner this week. Talk to me about Judging for the Win. Yeah, so Judging for the Win is a newer channel. They just started up uh, about a month and a half ago, I believe, that is posting daily uh, interactions and rulings mm-hmm. that right now are, you know, limited um, because what are they on? Like, uh, they're on 48 as I as I speak. They'll probably be, right, they'll be in, they'll be in the 50s, uh, by the time that this episode goes live. Um, but this is just a 
a very nice magic judge who's recording every day. Uh, here's the first episode. Opalescence and Humility, the classic interaction of layers. <laughs> um, and then the most recent one that they had today, Thassa's Oracle and Angel's Grace. Uh, that's that's a fine and interesting interaction. It's We just needed an, a thing like this because, as some of you may know, but most of you probably don't, uh, Charlotte is a level three judge out of Canada, I believe. And you may not know her name, but I'm willing to bet that you know her blog. And that's the Magic Judges blog with the oh. uh, with the Orzov stained glass angel in the background. Yeah, yeah. That's the one you're always seeing on Google when you're looking up magic answers. Yeah, she's been doing that blog for eight years and she just closed it down uh, at the beginning of this month in February 2021. So that was a great, great project that she did. It's truly a testament that so many of her blog entries show up just from me searching random rulings and card interactions. That's what happens when you have such a large body of work that mm-hmm. uh, allows people to who are just hopeless, like, oh, my God, I don't know how these two cards interact. No one's helping me. What do I do? And what you don't want is, I mean, God bless them, to go on the Magic Salvation Forum thread from like... 15 years ago and here's someone opine about something they don't know about now i'm not saying that magic salvation is a bad board i'm just saying that maybe searching forum threads that are so old that the website should have been shut down by now Mm -hmm. maybe look for something a little more updated and i was just saying recently that um with the judge cast which is judge podcast uh, going off the air this past year mm. and with uh, with Charlotte's blog going off and with the Gathering Magic judge series not having updated in three years. Um, there's just not that many new resources happening of knowledgeable people, judges, creating a paper trail online for our hopeless wayward wanderers we're trying to find this very specific interaction between two cards and they're totally stuck. Not um, everyone is me who talks to you on a regular basis right. and gets to say, Alex, I don't understand how to magic. Please help. And this is a good time to bring this up. There are resources where you can uh, get more on-demand answers, mm-hmm. but uh, that's not always something that is a viable option. For example, yeah. you may not be able to wait, but uh, there are options if you... If you want to get in touch with a live judge, you can go to the uh, Judge Chats IRC, uh, where people will help you if they can. And then on many different Discord servers, on the Magic Simulator server, the Commander Spellbook server, um, the Magic Judges server, the Judge Academy server, uh, the RC server. There's many different EDH Discord servers that Mm -hmm. have channels specifically dedicated to... Uh, answering and asking questions about magic for judges. I'm in several of them, and we are more than happy to help you. But uh, it, it may not be immediate. That's why things like this that are much more have staying power. Like when I answer a question in a Discord thread, I've mm-hmm. helped that person that one time. But but you're going to get that question again. Right. In six months, if somebody else asks that question, they're not going to see my answer in the Google results. They're going to have to ask again. That's why projects like this, like Judging for the Win which you should go subscribe to right now, is 
a great resource because these videos will still be here in a year, in five years, in 10 years. Yeah. And they may not still be accurate, but God, I hope they're still updating at that point. And this creating this just solid mass of information about interactions that people can refer to and not have to look back in time to a thread from 2005. And you know <laughs> you're in trouble when you see a forum thread from 2005. Don't trust it. It's outdated. Um, I'm just glad that, that this judge has been making this. Uh, I just wanted to give that shout out. Thank you very much. And thank you to uh, Charlotte for doing your Magic Judge blog for so many years. We appreciate that as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's it, Mike. That's all I have. Well, hey, I, I appreciate that. Uh, like I said, I, you've been my friend for a long time, and I appreciate the amount of work that being a judge is just for you. So the idea of, you know, people that are doing this, you know, as far as a resource and publicizing all of this mm -hmm. stuff rather mm -hmm. than, uh, you know, just me being able to just pick your brain all the time. Right. Absolutely. That's 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 awesome for you to give them the uh, the the shout out, and we'll make sure that we link to everything. Oh, yeah. We'll in put our a show link in, in the show notes. Yep. Yeah, of course. Well, thanks for that. Um, and everybody, thanks for listening. Alex, where can people find you on socials while we're talking about it? Well, you can find me on Twitter at LapperMedic, L-A-P-P-E-R Medic, or you can email me directly, talking private at Alex at EdiaTrek.com. If you've enjoyed any of our conversation, please subscribe and rate the podcast. If you're going to buy any of the cards we talked about, deck boxes, sleeves, etc., you can support us by going to bit.ly slash EDH social. If you have any questions or comments for us, follow us on Twitter at EDH underscore social or email us at the social contract EDH at gmail.com. Looking forward to talking to you next week. See you all soon.